Hey folks, Duncan Kinney here, host of The Progress Report. We're a proud member of the Harbinger Media Network, and given our guest today, I feel like the recommendation that I have to make is Big Shiny Takes. Uh, Jeremy Appel, Reno Greco, and Eric Wickham do their best to mock the very worst takes in Canadian media, and uh, I listen to it all the time. It's a great podcast. Also, Daniel Smith is now our premier. It sucks, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. But one thing I know for sure is that independent investigative journalism can help curb the worst excesses of a wannabe tyrant like Daniel Smith. So if you think that the work that we do is valuable, please consider becoming a monthly donor. There is a link in the show notes, or you can go to theprogressreport.ca slash patrons and put in your credit card. Now, on to the show. Friends and enemies, welcome to The Progress Report. I am your host, Duncan Kinney, recording today here in Amiskwachewa Skygun, otherwise known as Edmonton, Alberta, here in Treaty 6 territory. Joining us today is uh, Jeremy Appel, frequent Progress Report contributor, freelance extraordinaire, uh, man about town, writer of an excellent substack called The Orchard uh, that you should all subscribe to if you haven't already. Jeremy, welcome back. Uh, how are you feeling? Uh, always great to be here, Duncan. Um, I'm feeling great, uh, like a million bucks. Um, you know, we've uh, elected our new supreme leader, whom I pledged my uh, fealty to. I think it's great that uh, we have another uh, female, uh, strong, uh, empowered uh, premier. Um, did you know that this is our third female premier in eight years? Alberta, leading the way when it comes to female premiers, I guess. That's probably the most of any province. Yeah, pretty amazing. Uh, I expect there will be a run on Madam Premier uh, clothing any second now uh, due to Daniel Smith's win. But uh, but yes, we are here to talk about what happened last night, or I guess the night of Thursday, uh, with Daniel Smith uh, winning the the leadership of the UCP a little closer race than I would have thought. But, uh, you know, she did take it 54 to 46 over in the sixth round of voting over the last uh, the last opponent standing, who was uh, former finance minister Travis Taves. What are so many thoughts, so many feelings? Because I, I, you were you were streaming last night. You were on the Alberta Advantage Twitch stream. You were reacting live mm-hmm. to, you know, Rick Orman and uh, the guy and the the auditor telling everyone how definitely secure and not messed with all of the votes were for for this leadership race as opposed to last time. What were what were the vibes coming out of both the. Uh, the, the UCP, the kind of spectacle that the UCP created, as well as, you know, and the people you were talking to and riffing to last night on the Upward Advantage stream. I mean, I would say the vibes were, uh, they were pretty dark. Um, I knew from the first ballot, the way the votes were distributed, I knew Smith was going to win. Um, it was just a matter of whether it was going to be on the fifth or sixth ballot and ended up being on the mm-hmm. sixth ballot. Um, you know, she, I, you know, I did expect her to capture a larger percentage of the final vote, but, um, you know, I mean, 53% rather than 57%. I mean, a majority is a majority, right? And, um, 
uh, you know, I, I, I think there was some hesitance uh, among elements of the party. I was uh, kind of, I, I, you know, in, in, in the final round, I was surprised that um, a larger uh, share of Brian Jean's supporters didn't go for Smith. I, I found that somewhat surprising, but, um, you know, again, at the end of the day, a, a win is a win. And, um, it, it's, um, I, you know, and I think we'll get into this more, uh, shortly, but I, you know, I think that the party's just going to fall into line with Smith's agenda. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, you're entirely right. A dub is a dub. Daniel Smith took it. Uh, a little closer than I thought too. I thought it might be 60 40 on that last ballot, or maybe she might squeak it out on the ballot just before. Um, but so a, a little closer than I thought, which might speak to some unity issues. Uh, who knows? But, um, but yeah, like, you know, Rick Orman, I, I thought it was very funny that they spent so much time talking about how safe and secure and, and locked down the voting process was uh, just so no one could come back at them and say like, uh, rigged. Which you know, I mean, they 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 saw that there was a problem in it, and they clearly moved to address it. Um, you know, I, the spectacle itself was fine. I mean, I think the Danielle Smith victory speech needs to be mentioned just a little bit because I think it was quite well done. I think she it was quite polished. I think she hit a lot of the notes that she's going to have to hit to be successful, which is you know, inflation, you know, not Trudeau Alliance. I think she said that like nineteen times. Uh, but there was a, a clip where the mask slipped for a little bit, and I want to just uh, play it real fast. Here it is. Sure. We will not be told what we must put in our bodies in order to work or to travel. We will not have our resources landlocked or our energy phased out of existence by virtue signaling prime ministers. Justin Trudeau, we hate him. Albertans, not Ottawa, will chart our own destiny on our own terms, and we will work with our fellow Canadians to build the most free and prosperous country on earth. We love our freedom. So, I mean, the, the, the last two parts of that, I mean, are pretty standard conservative rhetoric. But the whole, like what we put in our bodies stuff like framing framing vaccine skepticism as like a, a bodily autonomy argument i mean it's it's an interesting way to frame uh i mean she said some really wacky things about covid and about treatments for covid so she's she still decided to go there which i thought was you know perhaps a signal of things to come well yeah but by her standards um that was quite tame right um mm-hmm. because we know uh what her views on uh vaccination and uh you know hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and drinking tonic water are right <laughs> and so i feel like because that's not a joke yeah yeah but she was she was fighting she was fighting covid by drinking tonic water. <laughs> yeah she said she was doing her part that, that you can look that up you can look that up i i in fact i encourage you to uh there's a great cbc piece from uh sarah rieger uh uh, from 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 last year, where 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 she talked about that before uh, Smith came back into politics, um, and yeah, so I think that was pretty tame by her standards. You know, the entire country is watching, um, so I think she did need to 
put on a, a sort of a, a reasonable fit face. But at the same time, these are the, the these are the people she brought into the party, right? Um, you, you know, who became disenchanted with Kenny. So she's obviously got to give them something. But at the same time, she, I mean, she's an excellent communicator. Like you cannot deny her talent as a broadcaster and as an orator. And I think that as a propagandist, she's, she's been a full-time propagandist pretty much since she got fired from the CBC, CBC or CBE, my apologies with, with little interludes as a, politician right but like it is that is clearly where her skills lie yeah yeah uh, no doubt and um I, you know i think she's a much better orator than she's a writer like she's not a good writer and but 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 she's very good at um you know just saying the most unhinged things in 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 with, com- with with complete moral with certitude, moral certitude right? and just totally like straight faced in a way where this is just common sense mm-hmm. and and she's very good also at handling from my experience at least um you know i interviewed her last year um when she was at this uh jeremy farkas uh pep rally at the calgary petroleum club and i asked her why she liked jeremy farkas so much and she said, well, I like that um, he wants to bring a culture of saying yes to everything to City Hall. I think that is is great. And I was just like, hold on a minute. Like his voting record would suggest the total opposite. That he votes, you know, he votes against things way more than anyone else to City Hall. And she was like, well. I, I don't think he was voting no to the BMO expansion, no to the green line, no to <laughs> it was that he did the flames yeah, arena. Yeah, it, it was just he didn't want these. It was he didn't want these to happen all at once, right? But in the future, he's going to say yes. And when we were talking to her, the way she said something that was so idiotic with just pure confidence, and in this tone where it's just like. Yeah, well, I, under- yeah, I, I understand your your opinion, but here's why I think it's wrong is, you know, again, extraordinary, an extraordinary skill. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a skill. And, and politicians definitely like Daniel Smith definitely have it. I mean, I don't think there's any real disagreement with us that I think, you know, the groveling is about to begin. And while the results were tight. Uh, everyone's going to fall in line pretty fast. You know, these people can look at a calendar. They know that an election is not that far away. Um, And so, you know, let's not even spend any time being like, will they unify? Yes, uh, I think you agree that they will unify the United Conservative Party. It won't take long for them to set aside any any bruised egos from the the, the leadership race that just happened and get down to the real business, which is winning, uh, you know, the upcoming election. But the thing that I think is worth pulling apart a little bit is uh, the transition team that was announced uh, just just today, actually. Um, you know, Marshall Smith will be her second in command, her chief of staff. Rob, you know, the crisis is the point. Anderson will be the executive director of the Premier's office handling strategy and policy. Uh, Erica Baroudis, uh, the, the, the woman who uh, is not a senator, just like myself, will be Danielle's principal secretary. Uh, MLA Peter Guthrie is her caucus liaison. I honestly, I couldn't tell you much about Peter Guthrie. He's uh, actually not a lot of people know this, but he's actually uh, Woody Guthrie's grandson. 
<laughs> yes, great, great, great grandson. Yeah. Just like uh, Daniel Smith's uh, great, great grandmother is Cherokee, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's, that's uh, exactly the same thing. And uh, yeah, he sort of, uh, you know, I think he really does like embody the spirit of, of Woody Guthrie. You know, this land was made for you and me. He was, he was talking about Alberta. Again, people don't know this. The media isn't going to tell you this, but I think we need to have a discussion about it. Yes. Uh, noted anti-fascist Peter Guthrie is the caucus liaison. Uh, Chief Billy Morin of Enoch Nation is the special advisor on indigenous relations. Uh, Matt Solberg of the Solberg uh, Lobbying Industrial Complex will be the executive director of caucus. Uh, Jamie, Modus, Jamie Mosesen will be the executive director of government strategy. And Jonah Mosesen will be the executive director of community. Wait, wait, now, that was Jonah, that's Jonah Mosesen who was... Doug Schweitzer's director of communications, right? Uh, chief of staff, I believe. I think that what, yeah, wasn't he at one point Schweitzer's done. director of communications because he accidentally sent an email to the CBC that he meant to send to Schweitzer. Oh. Do you remember that? What was that, Jonah? I'd have to go. I back. think that was I'd have to go back and Google it. But it's always very funny when comm staffers do that because it's like, oh man, that's like. You must wake up in a cold sweat. It's like, oh, I sent what I was supposed to send to my boss to the journalist or whatever. Like, well, uh, well, well, then he sent a follow up email saying, "Please don't publish." <laughs> yes, yes. I, I mean, even if it wasn't Jonah, that def that email definitely happened. Um, I, I'm pretty confident it was Jonah. But anyways, it's just interesting that he went from Schweitzer, who, um, you know, is Mister, uh, you know, new blue uh, moderate, like, oh, the conservatives need to um, rejuvenate themselves and become, uh, you know, modern, you know, center right party. Um, and who presumably uh, jumped ship and resigned. He, he, he was my MLA. Now I don't have one. Um, to uh, presumably because um, he didn't like the direction the party's going in that, you know, he could see which way the wind's blowing and he stepped out. And- I mean, if he's, if he's not, if he's not Daniel Smith's director, ED of communications, someone else is just going to fill that role, man. But, but exactly. Jeremy, at least with Jonah, at least with Jonah, we know that he is going to accidentally send emails to the media. So. <laughs> One can hope. Um, you have, uh, but over and above Jonah, who's the ED of comms, the, the chief of staff is Marshall Smith. You have done some writing, a couple of stories for us on Marshall Smith. What can you tell uh, the audience about this person? Yeah, it's actually pretty extraordinary that like Danielle wants him like front and center. Um, so he was the chief of staff to the associate minister of mental health and addictions. That is was Jason Lewan and then uh, Mark Smith. Mark Smith is his name. The cop. Mike Ellis. Mike Ellis. I think it was Mark. Oh, that's another guy. Yeah, Mike Ellis. Mike Ellis, yeah. uh, who's legalizing shrooms. So, you know. Sweet. Yeah. But and, and um, Billy, but uh, also making Smith it harder really for, like- but also making it harder for uh, people who use opioids to uh, access them outside of like a rigid clinical setting that, the, you know, the shrooms and, and acid and stuff is like the shiny object to distract you from the actual, uh, uh, you know, changes that will actually impact people negatively. 
But so Smith was sort of the architect of this, uh, what the government loves to call recovery oriented approach to solving what they incorrectly call the addictions crisis. It's not an addictions crisis. There's no evidence that more people are getting addicted to drugs. It's more people are dying from them because the drugs are increasingly toxic, which is. And so Smith who uh, originally uh, in BC uh, worked for the sort of private recovery industry, got a lot of government money to, to, to flow in um, to these private unaccountable recovery clinics, came to Alberta to do the same thing. And it's been quite a windfall for uh, private uh, recovery clinics. Um, in fact, they convened, the UCP convened a panel because of course they did. And on, on mental health and addictions, and I believe it included three people from private recovery facilities, and two of those got money from the government um, that they were advising where to give money to. So um, he now, now the, the thing about Marshall Smith, the real interesting thing that came out about him uh, last year through uh, investigative reporting at Glacier Media was that when he was at a recovery clinic in um, in BC, I believe it was Baldy Hughes. He what a, yeah, I think that's he, the one. I'd have to go back he to was I'll put it in the show notes. Allegedly, allegedly forcing uh, people who were there on court order, many of them, to phone bank for his favored BC Liberal leadership candidate Kevin Falcon. Now, Falcon lost that um, leadership race, but he's actually currently the leader of opposition in BC. And uh, for listeners who don't know, the BC liberals are the BC conservatives, essentially. Um, yeah. You know, and, and then the BC NDP are like the Alberta NDP. So they're like the liberals. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, so this is a guy um, who's like rigidly ideological. Um, oh, a, tr a tremendously evil person whose policies, like he is the architect of the Alberta model, which have caused uh, so much pain and suffering, have, has closed down supervised consumption sites, has reduced the amount of harm reduction that goes on the, in this province uh, for this model of, you know, recovery over everything. And yeah, a bad person. And now he is the, the chief of staff to our president. Hey, you said it, not me. Very bad. Like Marshall, if you're listening, uh, it, I, I I make no moral judgment about you. I'm just staying the fact. <laughs> uh, Erica Broody is very funny that she moved on from being Jason's like, you know, person, like being someone who was like essentially created by elevated to the position of president of the UCP uh, by Jason and now is like the principal secretary to Danielle. I guess. Yeah, that is an impressive bit of social climbing and career striving. You, you do have to hand it to her. Rob Anderson, I'll also just throw it there for a second too. Like this is the guy, he is he is uh, somehow a lawyer and he's a former Wildrose MLA actually, uh, or even PC turned Wildrose. I can't remember his exact career path, but he is essentially the architect of this whole like we will, the Alberta Sovereignty Act and the whole point of the Alberta Sovereignty Act is to essentially cause a constitutional crisis. This is his, this is his brilliant legal mind at work. Um, anyways, that's the transition team. I think uh, it's bad. I mean, it's always, it's always, always going to be bad. I don't, Marshall Smith being the chief of staff is actually quite scary. I, I don't like him. I, I think he has done a lot of harm to Alberta and to people living here and to people who are like my friends and neighbors and people who use drugs. Like he's just, uh, gives me the creeps. Um, 
but let's let's move off the transition team to make fun of the rest of the candidates of the leadership candidates who did not uh, succeed in defeating Daniel Smith. And I, I always like to take a minute in, in any ranked ballot to talk about the person who finished last. Uh, the person who finishes last in a ranked ballot really finishes last. <laughs> it's like it's not like uh, you finish last, but like people either went out of their way to just not put your name on the ballot or they put you seventh out of seventh. Uh, out of seven candidates, like, and Lila here came in at one point six of the first place votes on the first ballot. Um, Jeremy, do you believe the tactic of appealing to moderates to buy UCP memberships to vote for Lila here in the UCP leadership race worked? Well, you know, I was listening to the breakdowns, um, Twitter Spaces after um, the um, the leadership results were announced last night. And uh, their host, Nate Pike, uh, said that, well, people are saying that there's no progressive voice in the UCP, but I mean, at least 1.6% of voters are, and um, that that's actually what he said. So obviously, um, <laughs> the man is who, who was uh, probably the most uh, prominent and prolific proponent of buying a UCP membership to vote for a candidate. Um, that uh, makes you feel good about joining the UCP. Um, uh, you know, and I think he was saving face. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, this was a total rebuke of the notion that there is like a, a you know, the, a, a progressive faction of the UCP that's just waiting to be given a voice. Um, I mean, it, you know, it was a disaster. And of course, of course, we can look at Lila here's record and see that she's not progressive at all. I mean, she was elected as a wild Rose Emily, right? So she's being reunited with, with Danielle Smith. And I don't think there's any question that if she's offered a cabinet portfolio with Smith, she'll take it. She'll take it just like she did under Kenny. And um, yeah, I mean, I think this was an utter failure. And I asked Nate about that, and, you know, and uh, he got a, a bit defensive. And, uh, you know, if he regrets taking this approach, he's like, absolutely not. Like, the fact that a candidate runs is a win. And I, I mean, I, you know, and I think that, like, I, I see that point in that, like, like, you know, I think the, if you look at the Bernie campaign and, you know, a lot of people disagree with me on this and I understand that, but if you look at the Bernie campaign, he didn't win, but he did shift the discussion, right? He did drum up enthusiasm and, um, you know, he, he, he did bring about some a political of a, machine, which would a paradigm shift. But I hear didn't machine. do that. Le- I hear didn't do shit. Leela here. Leela here got thirteen hundred and ninety four first place votes out of something like eighty four thousand. Yeah, votes. it was it was actually someone someone. So I was talking to 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 someone, um, and, and who's uh, knows a lot about these things, and they made the observation um, that um, she was running for the wrong party. It was it was literally an Alberta party like entry scheme, and it failed extraordinarily. Wow. It did. What, what's the over under on how many moderates were convinced to buy UCP memberships in order to vote for Leila? Do you think it was more than fifty or less than fifty? 
I would say it was more than 50, but less than, um, uh, I mean, right. She got what? 1600 votes. 13 of uh, almost 1400. Four, oh, wow. 1400. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if 400 of those were like, um, extremely online Alberta centrists who, uh, were just really excited to, uh, do their civic duty. And look, I, like, I, I'm not like, I understand that perspective that, okay, you're a citizen, you have the ability to try and affect change within a party you don't normally see eye to eye with in that you should exercise that right. I get that. But take the L if you fail. Don't, don't, don't pretend it was some sort of success when you didn't do anything. You didn't change anything about the party's trajectory. And the candidate you supported is just going to fall in line with the rest of them. I mean, I, I think that's what really irks me about that position. The, the last point I'll make about Leela here's campaign to become leader of the UCP is that it costs $175,000 to, to be a candidate. And so not only was $175,000 given to this incredibly evil political project, but then then let, let's say your number is right. 400 people paid $10 each uh, to uh, to be members in order to vote for Leela here. What is that? Is that, that $40,000? I'm bad at math. It's either four thousand or four. Yeah, I mean, if I was good at math, I and wouldn't be a journalist. Four thousand dollars. So, like, there you go. Like, nearly one hundred eighty thousand dollars. Let's just say round up um, of of money went to this incredibly evil political party <laughs> in order to vote for someone who finished with one point six percent of the vote. All right, enough enough talking about Lila here. She's done. She's not relevant. I do. She, she'll be relevant when she's size. in cabinet again. So like next week. Oh, maybe, maybe we'll see. She does. Uh, Daniel Smith does have to moderate, you know, cross divides within caucus. Uh, I do have to bring up Rajan Sani though. Uh, she finished, she was the second person off the ballot, finished with 2.7% of the votes, extremely low and embarrassing number for Sani. Again, $175,000 to run Jesus Christ. Uh, but I do have to bring up Sani's campaign. I can bring up every campaign, but I do want to bring up Sani's campaign because early on political wonderkind, and mastermind strategist extraordinaire Ken Bossenkul said that Rajan Sani had the royal jelly, had the mix of circumstances and traits and skills to become the UCP leader. And I would just like to point out that he was very fucking wrong. And Rajan Sani went absolutely fucking nowhere. Rajan's, uh, Ken Bossenkul's magic touch uh, did not extend to Sani's leadership campaign. And the reason I bring up Ken Bossenkul is because uh, just Google him and the way that he left and the reasons which were never fully explained, and the way in which he left uh, BC, former BC Premier Christy Clark's office, uh, just so you know about it, it's very important information. Um, the last of the the kind of like also rands that I think is important to bring up is, of course, uh, the man who loves to take pictures <laughs> next to <laughs> Jar Jar Binks. You make it sound like uh, there are I'm like Jr. multiple photos of him with Jar Jar. <laughs> Which I mean, by the way, if there are, if you have copies of multiple photos, uh, please send them to either me or Duncan. It so perfectly encapsulates like just the kind of dweeb that Brian Jean is that he took this picture next to Jar Jar Binks. I, I mean, Anyways, I, 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 about- I you know I saw him in person um, in the summer at the at, at Stampede, and he does not look like a human being. Like he like. <laughs> Like he he does look like an alien in like a human suit. Ah, there you go. Yes, 
Brian Jean running for human premier. Uh, for top. He topped out at he topped out at fifteen whole percent, which is embarrassingly low for someone who was tapped as as a front runner in this race. Like his campaign did failed to launch in very noticeable and significant ways. Uh, I mean, he was instrumental in getting rid of Kenny. I think from my understanding and the conversations I've had with people, like his machinations uh, were instrumental to getting Kenny out the door and, and in the leadership uh, review and all that stuff. But it really does seem like plan A, B, C, and D for Brian Jean was to get Kenny out of there and that he would just stroll into the position. And that is not how it worked out. No, he ate total so, shit and uh, couldn't happen to a better guy. Um, I liked when he brought up his uh, dead son like three times in a debate <laughs> to talk about how uh, his son dying from lymphoma is an example of like AHS bureaucracy out of control. Uh, yeah, a real great guy. Um, and um, I, you know, I people are saying, oh, he's going to quit politics again. No, he's fucking not. He's going to be finance minister. Or he's gonna he's gonna have some role. I mean he I mean there's no difference between what he was saying and Danielle Smith was saying. There literally wasn't. Like she had the Alberta Sovereignty Act. What, what was his I, harebrained scheme called? Autonomy. Yeah, the autonomy. autonomy it was the same people. fucking thing. It was the same thing. Just, and he was like, it's just no one cared about. Yeah, it. yeah, because yeah. he was and, and, he was he was copying her idea in saying that it was different. And and people wanted the harder stuff, right? Like Brian Jean is 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 a pretty beige dude at the end of the day, right? And Danny was given given the base, the hard shit that they wanted, and they were like, "Thank you for your service and getting rid of Jason Kenny. I want the hard stuff," and they got it from Daniel Smith. Um, and speaking of Danny, Jeremy, it's time to do some serious journalism now, and that is the trash can Danny nickname. Um, it's it's a I think it has a certain ring to it. I don't know if it's going to stick. It's old. It's an old nickname. But I did want to get into the where this nickname Trash Can Danny came from. And and there has been some uh, excellent reporting on this that we've recently highlighted uh, from Dave Cornway. Uh, I believe Terry and Ego Jones on the Albert Advantage has also talked about the origination of the, of the nickname Trash Can Danny. And it's also important to point out that this uh, nickname was used by uh, Calgary Herald workers who were on strike because Daniel Smith was a scab who scabbed for the Calgary Herald during that brutal strike where the union was broken. But the nickname comes from Daniel Smith's time on the Calgary Board of Education where allegedly she dug through a trash bin and took the papers that she found in there, went to the Alberta Report and the Herald, and there was a bunch of like nasty, like schoolyard insults directed at the other trustees. Like clearly, yeah. Uh, like this, this, this school board had become dysfunctional, and this was really the kind of nadir uh, point of of the school board of like Daniel Smith allegedly going through the trash can to pick up these like mean notes, mean girl notes about fellow trustees, and then going to the media with it. So there you go. Trash can Danny, feel free to use the nickname if you like. Um, I think it has a certain ring to it. What, what are your thoughts on the trash can Danny sobriquet? Sobriquet? I never know how to say that word. I've, never, I've only ever read it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a, a suitable nickname uh, for a uh, for a suitable gal. Um, 
I, you know, um, I uh, actually I uh, I tweeted out uh, last year when when she did her uh, leaving uh, chorus radio um, <laughs> shtick um, that I actually had an exclusive photo of Danielle Smith um, at work on her last day at chorus, and it was just a photo of a trash can and uh, um. <laughs> Someone uh, asked me to delete it, and I did, and I won't say who, but Aww. you can you can piece it together based on the timeline. Any nickname used on a picket line on that has a certain validity and cachet to it. So so use use it as you. Yeah, want. and it, it, I um, think it does go show how like petty she is and like insecure. Um, d- you know, despite her like uh, public displays of like confidence and charisma that she's actually like a deeply broken person. And I find, I find that really interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of deeply broken people who are now the premier of our province, uh, let's, let's get into how much damage she could do and what your predictions for how much damage she is going to do to our institutions. Um, you know, the, the stated point of the Alberta Sovereignty Act is to create a crisis. But do you think it's going to be the Alberta Sovereignty Act that's going to create the kind of worst of it? Or is it just going to be like, she's just going to fire the entire board of AHS and like essentially cause the healthcare system to come to a halt? Like, which do you think is worse? What do you think is more likely? What kind of scenarios do you see as she kind of takes control and starts doing Daniel Smith things uh, to the, the the kind of institutions that are supposed to? Um, you know, be in charge of how this province works. Well, I think she's going to, she has to like move hard and move fast. Right. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I mean that, that's what Kenny did, right. When he first became premier. Um, right. It was just get all the stuff out of the way that will be hard to reverse. And so I don't like, I don't, I don't think she's going to do the Alberta sovereignty act first thing, because I think she needs to, um, work out with with caucus sort of what that's going to look like, but I think that she's going to uh, go after AHS. I think that will probably um, be her first thing and sort of open the way for you know her like Uber for 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 doctors scheme uh, or Uber for naturopaths, which she thinks are doctors. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I worry about the healthcare system. To be honest, I think it's already hanging by a thread, and like, not that the like the people at the top, like on the board of the AHS, is naturally gonna that getting rid of those people is ne- necessarily going to create the crisis. I just think it's gonna take so little to 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 make things get really bad when it comes to healthcare. That that's what I worry about. I, th- I think the Alberta Sovereignty Act is 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 a, is mostly like angels dancing on the head of a pin. Shit, right? It's it's like constitutional questions. There isn't really enough time to uh like you're arguing about esoteric philosophic legal principles when it comes to constitutional law and shit like i don't know if that is going to be the big thing that that tips the government in, or alberta into crisis uh, i have a feeling it's going to be some other fucking tire fire that pops up and maybe it won't even be healthcare maybe it'll be something we don't even see but yeah um you know it's really i i mean you know it's going to be an exciting time that, that's for sure in 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 Alberta politics, um, certainly the most like like um, and I don't mean exciting in a good way, of course, but like the most like captivating. Um, <laughs> she is going time to since move I moved here in, 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 in twenty seventeen. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I think she is going to move fast and break stuff, and that's the point. Mm-hmm. And at some point, there are just knock-on f- consequences and effects that, like, that are impossible to predict that could be really bad. And uh, yeah, I agree. I'm not excited uh, to to kind of discover how much harm she can do in such a short time. Um, but I think it is going to get worse. And yeah, uh, it, it's not great. Um, finally, Jeremy, our final segment. You know, we've 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 pretty much not talked about him this whole time, but I think we do have to close with uh, Jason Kenny. Um, now, before we start talking about him, I think it's important to get out of the way that you do not, under any circumstances, have to fucking hand it to Jason Kenny. You don't have to be polite to him. You do not have to be respectful to him. Uh, you don't have to thank him for his public service on the way out the fucking door. Jason Kenny was a tremendously evil, bad person who did immense amounts of harm to the place that we live and to the people we know and love. And uh, fuck that guy. He killed people. The curriculum will have long-term effects on the, the curriculum change will have long-term effects on the education system for the negative. I mean, you could pick a, pick a file and he fucked it up somehow. And I think it's worth, you really hit this home when, you know, back in, I think it was May when Jason Kenny originally uh, was kind of forced out as leader of the UCP, you wrote a piece for Passage called Jason Kenny's Demind is Worth Celebrating No Matter What's Next. And it's a it's an excellent piece of writing. We'll put it in the show notes. But like, what from that piece do you think still holds up? Uh, well, I'm a bit biased, but I would say all of it. Um, <laughs> um, no, I, I, I mean, I think just the, 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 the sheer, uh, damage uh kenny did on a variety of fronts uh whether it's his crusade against the labor movement or his 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 best summer ever uh policy which by the way danielle smith was a big fan of she didn't like that he uh he cucked out and 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 backtracked under you know pressure from like the woke like globalist elites like doctors um who aren't naturopaths um um, you know, I, I mean, there's, there's actually a quite good piece, uh, more recently in the, the Canadian press from, uh, from, uh, Dean Bennett that I thought, you know, I disagree with some of the language he used, Yes, but I thought it was a good, uh, sort of, uh, retrospective of all the horrible decisions Kenny made, though, of course, Bennett doesn't say so because, you know, this you know he works for the, yeah, the, the yeah, this yeah, fucking yeah. cult of objectivity that isn't real but um you, you you know i i think that his legacy is um i mean we'll have to see what happens with smith but uh i know Dwayne bratt uh big brain Dwayne um said that you know we may uh look back uh at the kenny years uh, oh. as being uh, one of relative calm, uh, you know, before the Smith years. And I, you know, I, I, I think that um, that's ridiculous. I mean, calm for who? Like for who? Like yeah. people who's like um, uh, the, the people who's, who, whose relatives died at the Cargill meatpacking plant. Um, the, 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 um, uh, you know, Ace recipients who had their, um, their uh, payments cut, um, 
you know, and I, I could go on and on, um, but um, yeah, educational aides who were fired at the like at the start of the pandemic, uh, you know, like healthcare jobs that were privatized. Um, <clears throat> yeah, they pick a pick. Like literally, I started doing this. Like I, I started talking to people and I started writing this, a, a piece very similar to Dean Bennett's piece of like all of what was the worst thing that Jason Kenney did uh, to the system and in his time as premier. And I just had, I had like eight, nine, 10 pages of notes and it just kept going. And it's like, I couldn't even sit down and try and formulate a narrative because it was thing after thing, after thing, like fucked up thing after fucked up thing. Like I, I can't even give you an example right now, but it's like, uh, oh, remember when they trotted out fucking granddad curriculum guy to just be like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah actually. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was awesome. What's that guy <laughs> doing now? Kids should, learn, kids should learn their times tables. Oh, fuck. I don't know. Um, He's probably going to be a top bureaucrat. Like Chris Champion, you know, Paul Bunner, uh, you know, and Chris Champion actually like was instrumental in writing curriculum stuff. I mean, maybe I keep coming back to the curriculum as the most harmful long-term thing, but just like the corporate tax cut, just like giving billions away to corporations for like purely for ideological reasons, not for any other reason. Like it does not, corporate tax cuts do not spur growth, economic growth in any way. It's literally just more money in the pockets. Uh, It's like, I don't think I have a super strong unifying message to come out of this segment. Aside from like, fuck Jason Kenny, I hope we never have to see his fucking face again. And anyone who's going to try and rehabilitate his uh, reputation or his legacy, tell him to get fucked. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's absolutely a good thing that, um, that he like a bad day for Jason Kenny is a good day for, for humanity. And, I think we can separate that from um, the shitstorm that's about to come. But yeah, this I, yeah. you know, it's like this rehabilitation of George W. Bush in the in the Trump years. Like um, he, like he was just as bad, if not worse, right? Um, it, it's just he wasn't like he wasn't rude to people on Twitter. Um, and you know, it, it's the same thing. And you know, I, I, but I think the the the. You know, the fact, I mean, Kenny's a guy who, um, you know, started his political career by making LGBTQ people's lives worse in, uh, you know, the Bay Area in the late 1980s. And you can't, like, you, you know, the type of person who does that isn't going to change. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not, I mean, he's never expressed remorse. Um, and, um, yeah, you know, and it just continued when he was premier. I mean, rolling back, um, legislation protecting GSAs, um, you know, comparing unvaccinated people to, uh, LGBTQ people who weren't able to uh, visit their spouses at the heads of the AIDS crisis. Hey, I wonder who lobbied for that. Um, yeah. You know, he, he was an objectively terrible person. It was fucking gross seeing Nahed Nenshi, um, who, you know, just really wants right wingers to like him. Um, and Rachel Notley, uh, much the same, be like, oh, well, uh, you know, I appreciate his commitment to public service. What fucking commitment? What, what, in what capacity was he committed serving the, the public? 
yeah, dude was an ideological warrior for capital and rich people and the religious right his entire fucking career. Which is why you should uh, buy my book when it comes out called Rejecting the Premise, Jason Kenyon Theory and Practice, uh, to be published at some point next year by Dundurn Press. Yeah, coming soon. I mean, not that soon, but you still got to write it. But but you are working on a book. Congratulations on the book deal, by the way. Um, Jeremy, I think... The, the perhaps the most frustrating part about Jason Kenny. I mean, we can all say fuck Jason Kenny as he walks out the door and, 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 you know, all of that kind of vituperative energy I think is, is worthwhile, but perhaps the most frustrating thing is that it wasn't folks like you and me who were ultimately responsible for getting rid of him. It was the worst people in Alberta who were responsible for getting rid of him. And that is a little frustrating, I think. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and I mean, shit's probably going to get worse, but it was also a pretty bad to start off with. So, um, you know, fair enough, my man. All right. Well, thank you so much. I think you gave the plug already, but if, if people want to follow along with your work and eventually get the, the book plugs that I will be sure to flood the feeds of yourself once that book gets close to being done how can people kind of follow along uh well uh first thing you should do is subscribe to my newsletter the orchard uh you can do so for free uh you can also give me money which would be greatly appreciated uh considering uh writing a book does not pay well um you can also follow me on twitter i'm very close i'm 100 followers less than 100 followers away from reaching the big 10k so uh if you don't follow me already uh you know hit the follow button if you think i'm annoying and i post too much just mute me don't unfollow don't be one of those people um because i will remember and hold it against you um and uh yeah that i i mean that's that's essentially where you can find me uh the big one i also yeah. write all the newsletter forget follow on yeah, yeah i also write for the progress report sometimes and other independent media outlets like ricochet and the breach and um yeah uh you can you can find me there sweet do it folks He's a good follow. He does great work. Um, also, if you have any notes, thoughts, comments, things you think I need to hear, I am very easy to get a hold of as well. Uh, I am on Twitter at Duncan Kinney far too often. You can also reach me by email, which might have a little more impact. I don't know. Getting an email is a little different than getting a Twitter DM or whatever. But my email is K at progressalberta.ca. Thank you to Jim Story for editing this podcast. Thank you to Cosmic Famu Communist for our theme. Thank you for listening and goodbye. <laughs>